0: are gonna have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys always bring the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. Just sex.
1: Hello everybody out there in the podcast community. Welcome to another exciting episode of Gratuitous sex and violence! Hey internet, how's it going? This is the show where we watch movies and then we talk about them in fun and exciting ways. My name is Orlando. And I'm Ned. And we're here live from our apartment. And today, we're gonna watch an exciting movie. It's a classic, so we're watching Vertigo. Directed That's... by Alfred Hitchcock. Oh. Starring James Stewart, Kim Novak, Barbara Bel and Tom Hellmore. Oh, I didn't know that they were in that. Yeah, so I'm going to put a link to the IMDB page on the show notes for those of you who want to check out the rest of the cast and crew. But before we get to talking about this movie, let's talk a little bit about how this is going to work. Okay. So uh, we're going to watch the movie here in a second, and you guys at home can watch the movie too, because Vertigo is streaming. It's currently available on Stars. Or if you have an Amazon subscription, you can watch it through the Stars add-on through Amazon. If you have neither, then I guess you just have to rent it. It's available in lots of different places on Amazon. It's uh, available in HD for 3 dollars which is not a bad deal for some Yeah, don't but. be cheap. Get it. <laughs> well, okay, so uh, this is kind of a cheat because this is what led to the picking of this movie tonight because I'm actually in the midst of binging Hitchcock movies. Uh-huh, I yeah. feel like I feel like every year I get the urge to binge like a single director's body of work, and last yeah. year I binged Martin Scorsese, which is amazing. Nice. And then this year I'm, I'm binging Hitchcock, and uh, Vertigo is uh, you know one of his most. Um, well-known, but also uh, complicated works, and I I thought that it would be a great one to explore tonight. So, um, are you ready to dig into Vertigo? I am so ready. I'm stomping at the bit. Great! So, what we're gonna do now, guys, boys and girls listening at home, we're gonna pause this and we're going to watch the movie. We'll be back in one second. And you guys, like I said, can watch the movie too and then come back and play along with us. Seriously, don't be cheap, people. Come on, rent it. <laughs> rent Vertigo. Spend the $4. It's awesome. You right. mad people. We'll be right back. Peace. I hope
0: we're going to have some gratuitous sex and violence. You guys are always bring the very best violence. No relationship. No emotion. No emotions.
1: And we're back! Yo! So, um, we just finished watching Vertigo, and hopefully the people at home watched it as well at some point, because coming up we're gonna talk in depth about this movie, so spoiler alert! Yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, maybe don't. Pretty, listen on. Yeah, pretty fresh, you know.
0: Uh, the, the, there are going to be a lot of hot takes here, uh, a lot of contentious thoughts. So you know, you, you got to really have seen the movie right. first. Right. You you know you you gotta you gotta you gotta know what's going on. So um, so, yeah. Ned,
1: have you seen this movie before?
0: Um, so I think um this would be my third time seeing okay. it. All right, um. I would say that uh, it, it, it speaks to the generosity of uh, Mr. Hitchcock's character that he decided not only to make a movie, but uh, a primer on healthy boundaries and coping mechanisms. <laughs> All uh, right. That was really appreciated.
1: So we're, this is like our first reactions to after watching. Now, uh, my full confession here. Yeah. Um, th- I, this is one of the movies that I've seen the most in my life. I've probably seen it roughly, maybe, like, a little over a dozen times. This is, like, the movie that basically made me fall in love with filmmaking. Yeah. The first time I saw it, I was maybe 13, 14. I rented it from the library, a VHS copy. And uh, I I hadn't even seen, like, many Hitchcock movies. I think this was my first Hitchcock movie. Yeah. And when I watched it, like, it really just stuck with me. There was a lot that went over my head because as a teenager, you don't really get a lot of it, the nuances and stuff, but there was something about it that really called to me. And I knew as soon as I saw it that I had seen a great movie. Yeah. And, uh, and, and every time that I watch it, I find more and more rewarding things about it.
0: Yeah, this was this movie. I mean, I guess, yeah, so so of the three viewings of it that I can remember again, this may be my third or fourth time watching it. So, like, the first time, again, I was definitely too young to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I was maybe like same age as you or like maybe a little younger or mm-hmm. something like that, but it was definitely one of the Hitchcock movies that my parents were like, Oh, yeah, you're gonna watch where to go, and um. And then I remember, like, the second time I watched it, I think I was, like, either an undergrad or had recently graduated. And so, obviously, like, that time, you know, having had my college learning, I was a little more like, oh, yeah, there's so much going on. And so this time watching it, like, there's still so much in it that I don't remember from my previous two viewings. Mm -hmm. Like, I still, like like i had no memory of like the dream sequence uh wow. i forgot that really trippy stuff yeah i forgot that like he does meet her before she you know quote unquote dies as the wife right. and stuff like that like there was just there were like there were like i i remembered like the general outline mm-hmm. um but yeah there there was a lot in this viewing that I don't remember from from the last time I saw it. So, so I was definitely really glad to, like, dip into it again.
1: Yeah, it really catches you by surprise. And uh, we'll dig into a lot of more specifics here in a little bit. But first... Uh, we're going to do a little bit of trivia. Oh, boy. <laughs> but these questions are going, will go in uh, a gradient. It'll start out with easy, and then it'll get yeah. harder as the questions go on. There's only yeah. going to be five of them, so no pressure here. Oh, Lord. All and right. uh, the, the the grand prize is bragging rights. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. there's a bonus question at the end. All right, cool, cool. So let's uh, let's start you off easy. All right, trivia, um, trivia, trivia. Question trivia. number one. Oh, Lordy. Uh, at the beginning of the movie, okay. the very beginning... How many people including the crook are involved in the rooftop scene? The rooftop chase.
0: Uh involved in the rooftop chase. Yeah, how many people total, are? Total. Total. It's only 3 people so, because okay. there's there's uh there's Scotty, there's the cop and the crook. So, so you're three right.
1: Equal. Ding 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 yeah. ding. Correct. Boom. 3 people. Take that, SATs. <laughs> Now, uh, while we were watching the movie, um, you kind of answered this one, so this is going to be an easy one. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, that's why I put it number two. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's a McKittrick Hotel featured prominently in Vertigo. Yeah. And there's also a McKittrick Hotel in New York City. So the question is what immersive theora- theatrical production? Uh, makes the McKittrick uh, Hotel in New York City its home. Oh, it's Ivo von Hove's West Side Story! (laughs) (laughs) No. uh, It's uh, Sleep No More.
0: It's Sleep Um, No More. Did you
1: see Sleep No More? I have not. No, I was at the McKittrick Hotel earlier this year, but I was watching The Woman in Black, not Sleep No More. Sleep No More might be a little too intense for me. I don't know. I mean, I... Have you seen it? I have. I've been, like,
0: twice, actually. What do you think? I should go with you. I, I really liked it. I mean, I think the tickets are, like... $500 Five hundred dollars now or something, right? Oh, yeah, or, really or, yeah I, I definitely remembered seeing the price crawl up. But it's probably
1: um, worth it for these. Yeah, I,
0: I would say it. Yeah, I, I would definitely be down to go again. Definitely, uh, it, was, it was. It was. It was. I mean, I think like for somebody who like you know was an undergrad in New York, mm-hmm. was like studying theater. Mm-hmm. It was definitely. I mean, there were a lot of theater experiences in New York that I had that were like you know just revelations. But like, yeah, Sleep No More. was Was really um, was really something Uh, because it was it was I think uh, I, I forget what year it started but like yeah it was definitely like taking off during. During my undergrad years.
1: It's and been running so, yeah. for quite a while. Yeah. And for yeah. those of you who don't know what Sleep No More is, it's uh, an immersive theatrical experience where you basically um, wander a hotel, like a three-level hotel, and yeah. there's, like, different scenes playing out in different rooms and hallways, and uh, there's no dialogue, and you're not allowed to speak unless you go on a one-on-one with a character. It's yeah. really it's really kind of cool and creepy the way that the concept is. Yeah, like, but, every, um, every,
0: every member of the
1: audience will have, like, a profoundly different experience right so exactly because um, you, you basically make the experience yourself yeah. from what I hear and but so it's uh, the main story is based on Macbeth but it takes place yeah. in the quasi like 1920s 30s world that's influenced by film noir and a lot of the film noir is taken from Alfred Hitchcock and a lot it, of it is it, taken it, from Vertigo specifically yeah, yeah it uses yeah it does use a,
0: a fair bit of music uh, from Vertigo I think mm-hmm. specifically among maybe a few other Hitchcock films or Bernard Herrmann so um, uh, scores or what have you So yeah it's a
1: really cool cool thing so yeah, that yeah. that was the connection between the Mickey Trick in the film and the McKittrick Trick in uh, New York City <laughs> I forgot about that So um here's where we go to question number 3 All right so on Ace in the Spades Yeah boy. yeah or you're two for two Dude number 3 at the art gallery right. Scotty notices two striking similarities between Madeline and the portrait of Carlotta Valdez. What are they? Okay. He notices he notices the
0: um, the hair the hairstyle specifically like the, the the little curl on on the end and then uh, also uh, the bouquet of flowers.
1: Ah, ding, 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 ding! You got it right! The flowers yeah. and the hair! Boom, boom, boom. Both of which uh, are like portents of Things to come. Yeah, exactly. Really <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's keep going here. Um, oh, question number four. Now you know these are getting progressively harder, but you're doing good. You're oh doing boy, good. yeah. I I don't know. I don't know this this quiz. Maybe nothing. Maybe nothing here. All right, so question number four. Oh, boy. Where did Judy say she lived before moving to San Francisco? Where did Judy say she lived? One point if you just get the state, but two if you get the city and the state. Oh, here is where she lived before moving to San Francisco.
0: Oh, working memory. Don't fail me now. This is where my working memory fails me. Um, All right. Uh I'm gonna go for the wait, it's uh it's it's a K State it's Kansas? Is it Kansas? Yes, correct. okay Kansas uh, um That's oh one point God shoot yeah, I don't think I don't think I can I don't think I can
1: pin down the specific. All right, no problem. All right, cool. And because you know it's pretty yeah, well, well, hard. But yeah, I'll, Kansas, I'll, walk, I'll, I'll walk with the one point. So uh, what the was city the name? was Salina, Kansas. Salina, Salina yeah. Salina, Kansas. I wouldn't know. Have... She mentions it twice, so I, I thought know, you know. Yeah, no, I. Uh, but it's in quick succession. Kansas yes, is easier Selina. to find, so no
0: Selina. problem there.
1: No problem. So you're you're three for four. Here comes the last question. Now this is the toughest question in the quiz. Okay. All right. Oh. This happens near the beginning of the movie, oh. where uh, Scotty notices Midge's brazier. Yes. And Midge says that the brazier design worked on the principle of a blank bridge. Oh god, a oh blank oh, bridge. God, it, uh, ugh, what um, is the name of the bridge? Oh Lord. The type
0: of bridge. Or the type of bridge. Um It's not
1: wait, it it's did she it, it wasn't a suspension bridge. It was right? not a suspension bridge. It was not bridge. a suspension bridge. In fact, she she was talking about oh. how it suspends it differently. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> that's a thing. It it wouldn't have the straps. Yeah, so oh my god, what's it called? What's it
0: called? Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Give it up. Give it up. Yeah. I'm giving that. I'm letting it okay, slide. We may, have to, we may. We may. have to institute a timer for this. Five, four, bridge. three, yeah, exactly. two, one, bang! <laughs> because because I do much better when there's time pressure
1: added as well. We'll try to work that in. Um, <laughs> okay. So the name of the bridge is a cantilever bridge. A cantilever bridge. We just, I mean, that's a hard fucking question.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No. That's a very. It's a very specific. Like it would have definitely. It's not a type of bridge that I right, right. existed. Exactly Existed prior to seeing the movie, so. Uh, so
1: here, you get a, a chance of a bonus though, to redeem yourself. And the bonus, okay, is, bonus is pretty easy because you also call this out in the movie. The bonus is spot the Hitchcock! Yeah. So where it was is Hitchcock's cameo? So before you go on, in every in almost every Hitchcock movie. Alfred Hitchcock has a cameo in the film, yeah, and uh, a lot of the fun is to spot the Hitchcock. So, which one? Where, where was his cameo? Uh, it was. It was towards the beginning of the film
0: um, mm-hmm. that, uh, and it was. It was. It was like right outside the. Uh,
1: it was right outside the office at the docks where. Right. Um, where. Walking past outside the ship building. Yeah. In a gray suit. And a bonus, bonus point if you can tell me what he was carrying. Ooh, ooh, ooh! It was
0: uh, was he carrying like was he carrying like a rolled up like architectural plan thing or am I just making that up? Was You're it a briefcase? It was
1: it was a briefcase. It was close to a briefcase. Okay. It was specifically a trumpet case. Oh, okay. But okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, know, it no, happened so fuck, fast. Fucking lost it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I,
0: I, again, I get
1: the one point. You got, I mean. I get the one point. You got more than one point. You did pretty good for the quiz. You got yeah. like three out of five. Yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Well, actually, you got four out of five because you did get Kansas. You just missed the city, but that's exactly. Funny. Yeah, I'm okay. And with you there. spotted the Hitchcock. So, spotted the Hitchcock. So good yeah. job, Ned. You have bragging rights. Yeah, I have. I have. <laughs> I, I have. Uh, I have uh, Mostly bragging. Rights. I have sex, self, uh, actualization rights. How there about go. that?
0: We'll, we'll call it that.
1: So now let's uh, let's discuss the movie a little bit more in depth. I want to yeah. want to start by talking about Vertigo. As the word itself, the definition of vertigo is a sensation of whirling and loss of balance. Yeah, particularly associated with looking down from a great height. Um, and Scotty, from the, at the very beginning of the movie, he has an accident. Well, he doesn't have an accident, but there's an incident that causes him vertigo. And so that's physically the external um, conflict of the movie is that he is afraid of heights. He has a uh, acrophobia. Yeah. However. The movie itself really does cause a sense of dizziness and unbalance in the viewer as you're watching it. Yeah, Did I find that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it, it's it, the the trend I've noticed because I've also partaken in like a couple of the other Hitchcock films that you've been watching recently, mm-hmm. and and I think it's interesting how this one is like it's it. Like, like Hitchcock's whole thing is, like, slow burn suspense, and this right. one absolutely oh, yeah. burns incredibly slow, And and there is just, like, this kind of, there is this kind of, like, weird, askew sense of wandering to the whole experience, because you're just like, what is this... Leading to right. and what? What is what is all this stuff that's like coming, kind of coming together, and and like even the um, intro sequence, which again, like the opening credits, was another thing that I completely forgot about mm. the film. That um, it it uh, it's interesting because it, it kind of has like the two hallmarks of. A James Bond intro uh, yeah. sequence of like you know close up shots of of a woman and uh, you know trippy mm-hmm. spirally visuals mm-hmm. and stuff like that, but obviously much more ominous. Played and, completely and, different. Yeah, completely, you know. <laughs> completely evoking the opposite uh, reaction uh, from uh, from those other title sequences. And it's, it's
1: kind of interesting to to note how the movie evolves, and and it's in, in a way the co- the um, unbalanced is that. You really don't know what type of movie you're watching in a good way. It's 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 a focused movie in terms of the conflicts that it's dealing with. Yeah. But it start when it starts out, it kind of starts out as a ghost mystery, uh, yeah. and then it becomes it, a murder mystery, and then it it just it pretty much becomes like a flat out psychological horror movie.
0: Yeah, that's the thing. It's not real. Yeah, it it really kind of like like Hitchcock definitely definitely has like a a sensibility for genre and like you know different movies Mm -hmm. of his absolutely can can fall within very very specific genres and yeah this one kind of kind of never really never really hits one it's got like this kind of wry sense of humor even as it kind of has this whole like obsessive undertone to it and this kind of you know Sense of unease and uh,
1: almost like and almost like impending doom. Yeah, oh, very much bit. so. Like, yeah, very much so. So let's talk about the themes a little bit more. And you you were yeah. talking about the obsession, and that's definitely I would say the biggest theme of the movie is obsession. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> um especially again, he- when they- healthy boundaries and right. coping mechanisms, especially when it comes to like uh, male aggression, almost. Yeah, a the little bit. Like male aggression. Yeah. Um, like there's a, there's a part, uh, there's a line that Scotty says that he says uh, to, he says to Madeline, whenever he thinks it's Madeline, yeah. uh, he says, no one possesses you. You're safe with me. But then when he's with Judy, he tries to possess her. And then the whole undercurrent is that they think that Madeline is possessed by Carlotta. So there's this whole just like obsessive yeah. thing happening. Um, how do you, how do you think the, uh, the theme of obsession plays out in the movie. I think like uh
0: it it's interesting kind of seeing uh James Stewart's sort of um his sort of road into it in Mm -hmm. a way that like yeah yeah he starts out the film in a very weak state having sort of like you know just come off of this like traumatic experience Mm -hmm. um and and is so very clearly not at all willing to like even take on this you know this uh this favor to a friend um and 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 then when when he kind of first starts to get this interest, it really is a matter of like observing from a distance, and he's always kind of just on the periphery of her and um uh but but kind of continuing to get swept up in this in this routine of hers and and and, and of like trying to figure her out and 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 I think that that's like. I think that was one of the most striking things to me about this thing that he ends up kind of craving by the end of the film, because he, he, he is always kind of coming at it from this sort of like outsider perspective. There is this, there's this kind of idea that he's like crafted in his head of who this person is. And so even when he meets Judy, who is like a real person, he all he can do with her is continue to kind of chase this kind of this this other idea that is clearly so much more vivid in his like in his mind than like mm-hmm. the actual real flesh and blood
1: person who's like in front of him. Even even when he thinks he's with Madeline and he's in love with Madeline, he's in love with a fiction.
0: Exactly, he's yeah. In yeah, love that's with the somebody thing. that like, doesn't she, exist.
1: Exactly, yeah. She's a complete she's a complete
0: facsimile yeah Yeah. like yeah (laughs)
1: um and it's and it's crazy to me um so hitchcock's known for uh coming back to some very specific themes and this movie this movie in particular seems to be um an encapsulation of all of the great hitchcock tropes yeah you have the icy blonde it plays with mistaken identity. Yeah. Um. It has murder, and then the then there's the voyeurism, and Scotty spends a lot of the movie, um, just observing. Yeah. Madeline, uh, and she's doing things that are. We later find out she was put up by, by her, uh, lover who was the who was Madeline's actual husband, yeah, but not yeah. Judy's husband. Yeah. At, in a ploy to get. Uh, James Stewart or Scotty to witness the suicide yeah. and, and then get away with murder which is a very complicated plot I think yeah that's the thing like because <laughs> uh, the, the 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 thing I went
0: into it because I would say like the last time I saw it I completely forgot that there was like a switcheroo and all mm-hmm. that stuff and and so I, I I went in knowing I I went in knowing from the outset that um that uh Madeline wasn't Madeline mm-hmm. and so the so so having that kind of in the back of my mind as I was watching it definitely gave me the sense of like yeah this is this is one convoluted plot buddy especially just as the whole thing develops and then she like leaves and comes back and has this very specific I'm like yo y'all y'all workshopped this Mm-hmm. You'll workshop this nervous breakdown that Madeline, quote unquote, is right. going through to to very, very uh, extensive lengths to get him to the
1: right and, to the right spot. And to, to, to know to know exactly to, like to really prey upon Scotty's <laughs> fear in such a specific way, you know, they're like, "Oh, this is going to lead up to this great tower chase, and he's not going to be able he's to follow you." Make it. Yeah, no, because he's afraid of heights. He's not, yeah, he's not going to make it up there. <laughs> there's no way. There's no way he can make it up there. No way. No way. Not a, not a, not a chance. Not a chance. I, how do you um, think that the film plays with Stewart's reputation? Because he was always known as the nice guy, every man. But in this movie, he really becomes a sinister character. Yeah, I mean, I have to say,
0: like, I the performance is amazing. I yeah, I agree. He he really kind of does, and it's interesting because I think that you mentioned his his reputation as being this kind of you know nice. Uh, I guess what proto Tom Hanks you could say almost. I
1: was about to say like <laughs> how would we feel if Tom Hanks made a movie like this? Oh my
0: god, like <laughs> all the Oscars right now.
1: Take them. Eat this Oscar, Mr. Hanks. He was just um, he was just playing Mr. Rogers, which is the complete opposite. I know, yeah.
0: Oh, let's, I want to yeah, see Let's I, give him this role. Uh, I want to see the Mr. Rogers voyeur uh, obsession film. Um but 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 it's interesting that it does really like it does leverage that so effectively right. because it's taking all this build up of romance mm-hmm. but then just taking it past that point and in, into this completely different realm and i guess when i say romance obviously we're not talking about like actual romance where like you know people meet and you all know there, there, it's there it's is, it's though. it's well it's well but 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 by the time he's but by the time he he meets judy while, while there is something in him that she sees and and desires it it's clear that he just it's is it, yeah it's 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 yeah it's so much more in this like in this in this obsessive headspace and mm-hmm. and 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 i guess it's more of like the 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 cinematic idealized version of love a very sort of male centric <laughs> Um, idealized oh, yeah. cinematic idea of love, and 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 then it really does take it further with um, uh with 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 the lengths he goes to to recreate his experience with Madeline. When he um, starts
1: buying her clothes and changing the way she looks, and Judy is. Is is herself like noticing what's happening, but she's powerless yeah. to stop it. And and and, uh, and Kim Novak is all we haven't talked about Kim Novak, but Kim Novak is also really fucking good in this movie. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I I have some thoughts about that. But first I wanna also just mention the fact that like you first you have the dress store where she is where Kim Novak is already obviously like like Very visibly effective. visibly distraught by the right. whole experience but then you have all these other um you know female shopkeepers mm-hmm. who are like oh yes this man the knows, man what, knows he wants, what he wants and we're going to get him what he wants uh and then later on when she's in the beauty parlor and 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 he's like checking in with one of the assistants right. about the hair and she's like
1: oh we know what you want you go on ahead and I was like what are they doing to her like is she is she tied down in the other room? Like, it's, yeah, it's very. Um, yeah. Again, coming back to that male aggression, it, it the, that's very much um, is, yeah. is a prominent theme in the movie. And there's a line that sticks with me is, is so when he tells her about the hair, is she just she's she's in the middle of a speech saying, "Why don't you like me for me?" And then he just looks at her hair and is like, "Your hair, that's a problem." Yeah. And then when she's like, "No, I'm not gonna do anything," because she knows she realizes what he wants. And she said, "He uh, Scotty says to her, Judy, please, it can't matter to you. I know, and and, and that's the thing. Like with my
0: kind of you know twenty first century, <laughs> my twenty first century eyes, I was like, what the fuck do you mean it couldn't matter to you? Hair is really important to who women. Could, who could it matter more to? Right, like Hair's than really her. To women.
1: Like good lord. So you said you had thoughts on Kim Novak?
0: Um. Oh yeah. No, just like um. It, it was so interesting... Well, it was interesting, like, kind of thinking about her performance because I remember, uh, like, like obviously kind of, you know, seeing her name in the credits and being like, oh, okay, so this, this is the big star of this particular Hitchcock film. And that... Uh, I remember kind of being like, oh, there's something a little... There's something a little just stilted and unnatural about this mm-hmm. performance when we are seeing her as Madeline. Right. And... Um, so, so I think when we do get to see that moment, that first moment of meeting her as Judy, uh, when, when he visits her in the hotel and 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 you really do have that moment of like wait like is this a different yeah. person like you, you, it. it gives it gives you a moment like you 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 can't mistake the you know the very the, the very uh, thick eyebrows right. that they give her like those are definitely like the giveaway mm-hmm. when they first reveal Judy but like but, like, yeah, then just, like, the way she carries herself with him, the way she tells him to buzz off, it's just... um it's a yeah, it, it was a completely different person, and, and so, yeah, that was really impressive to kind of see them do that. And then to also have that moment after he's finally on the other side of the door, and then you see that look in her face that she absolutely did know him. Mm-hmm. Like, that was... That was a fantastic reveal, and and again, it's one of those things that like like every beat of that scene constantly is keeping you off balance. It and, really and, does, and her and her performance of that helps with that. Um, I I guess I do I do wonder how how noticeable some of the like. The aggressive stuff that's visited upon Judy slash Madeline's character, especially in the later half of the movie, was noticed by audiences. Like how how much of that of of that like sheer aggression and control really kind of registered, and how much of it is like, well, yeah, of course, she's gonna take it to the beauty
1: parlor, get it made up. The movie got really mixed reviews when it first came out because people people. they were very critical about well, the mixing of the genres we were talking about. Like, they thought that the movie was unfocused. focus. Yeah. Um, they thought that it was also... It meandered a little bit too much. And they thought that um, it, it was a really, really slow-paced movie. It's, it is a very deliberately paced movie. But it kind of gives it the dreamlike quality. From this perspective, like... When you look back on it... It really is a tightly constructed movie... It's yeah. just that it's very deliberate in its pacing. Yeah. Now, um, something in, in the construction of the of the story that Hitchcock changed, that the story is based on the 1954 novel. Um, uh, and I'm not a Frenchman, so I, forgive me if I completely butcher these words. I will not. Words. D'Entre les Mort, which means from among the dead. Okay. And it's by Beaulieu Um And in that original novel... The reveal that the Judy character is actually Madeline was held off until the climactic scene in the tower at the end, but mm. but Hitchcock changed it to two thirds into the movie, and a lot of people actually criticized that the first time around. And, and Hitchcock actually, when he, after he made the decision, he questioned it himself, and he thought if maybe that wasn't the right thing to do. Um, people think that he gave away the surprise so what's the rest of the movie to me i want to get your thoughts on this yeah but to me the movie is actually kind of elevated after that yeah uh, th- that
0: that reveal actually goes in the in the list of things that um that i again didn't remember because mm-hmm. i for some reason, I had it in my head that the final reveal of who she is and what the whole plot was didn't come until it makes the sense. very end. Yeah. So I remembered again, kind of being a little thrown by the fact that they do kind of show that Unbalanced. brief yep. little that they show that brief little flashback um, after he first meets Judy. Um, and yeah, and I think it's it's kind of it it helps i i think it it helps um because there's a there's a different kind of there's a different kind of uh tension between the two of them knowing that be, especially because of how he is how he is pursuing her right how it's clear that he is how it's clear that he is chasing Madeline. He's trying to relive what it was that he felt when Madeline was alive. And so, if you ju- if you take away like that that absolute concrete piece of information that she is Madeline, then you're just kind of you're you're kind of left with you know, healthy boundaries and coping mechanisms and nothing else. But so, so knowing that she, that Judy was Madeline is, is it, it, it adds, it adds this kind of additional layer of, of tension between them as far as, as far as the fact that you, you get, you get a very clear understanding of what it is that she wants out of this and why she might even bother to stick around this clearly not, well, not a balanced individual relationship at all, um, and yeah.
1: and it's like you said at the beginning, like the whole thing does kind of march towards doom. And in those scenes, and again, Kim Novak's performance really sells yeah. it. Like you can see the doom in her face. It's almost like she knows, yeah. in, in a way, that this is not going to lead to a good. Yeah, end. it was it was hard to
0: watch. Like like that entire third of the film was it's like very hard to was watch. actually yeah really hard to watch. Just kind of like seeing how. Yeah, just like how powerless she kind she clearly feels in the situation and 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 there is this 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 kind of desperation too because of the fact that she she clearly wants him to to love her for her mm-hmm. and not
1: for this other thing. Um yeah. It's, so it's we'll fucking... talk a little bit more about about that here in a second, but I want to talk about the uh the score, Bernard Herrmann who scored 7 Hitchcock films, scored this yeah. one and this is his most celebrated of the Hitchcock films even though he i would say rightly so <laughs> he did he did do a lot of critically acclaimed scores for Hitchcock but this one is i mean it's just yeah. amazing how would you describe this score um i mean it's so so interestingly
0: enough the I, I, I sort of like got back into the Vertigo score when I went to see Sleep No More mm-hmm. because uh, the, I I they they play the Vertigo theme at some point during the film and and I was like oh that sounds so familiar what is that what is that what is that and then finally it somehow like three months later it clicked oh score of Vertigo and um so so the score kind of does it, i don't know in a, in a way it's, it it does feel like noir but like this kind of dreamy noir in mm. a way there's this kind of um
1: I mean it's very yeah rux, yeah there's,
0: yeah there's yeah there's like a yeah there is like a kind of a, a romantic longing uh, to very it, romantic, as yeah. well as as well as though a kind of you know a, a looming menace that kind of mm-hmm. that
1: kind of uh, informs it um and it does feel very circular also there's a theme of yeah. like circles yeah like you're falling into a loop very much so mm-hmm. yeah um so there's a few shots that are, that are pretty well known in this movie. I mean, Hitchcock wasn't a stranger to really knowing how to frame a picture. Yeah. There's, of course, the, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge in the, in the background of the fort when Madeline jumps into the, the, the bay. Yeah. That's, a, that's a really beautiful shot. Um, there's also the shot of the mission tower, which interestingly enough, and I wanted to ask if you noticed this, the tower doesn't actually exist in that mission. And it was actually put in by a, a matte painting. It was superimposed oh. into the mission, and they created it to because they needed a tower for the scene. So they just made up the fact that the building had a tower. No, oh, I, I would have failed that trivia question if you yeah. asked me that. Yeah, and they, <laughs> I did not know that. I yeah. did not notice that. That's a really that's a really good matte painting. Yeah, they used to a lot of trick photography to cover it up, but yeah. uh, it's pretty effective. Um, I wanted to talk about the use of green. In the movie, yeah, yeah. I mean, you
0: know, my 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 uh, third grade, uh, you know, English class knowledge (laughs) knows to associate green with jealousy, Jealousy. or you know, there's that idiom of green with jealousy, Mm -hmm. or whatever the hell that came from. And um, so, I think that it's it certainly is no accident that when um when they get back to the hotel after their first night together or you know after their first date mm-hmm. uh, Judy and uh, Scotty's uh, first date mm-hmm. that um that you know first you see that shot of her against the window in silhouette and then it's like just as she says you just want to see more of me because of her right that you get that front right. shot of her half right. bathed in green and it's like oh yeah of course like so so i definitely noticed that aspect of it um i didn't notice i i didn't notice much green prior to that kind of final third it, it really felt like that because the the first shot of judy i think is in a green dress yes. right and then um and then you have like the lighting from the hotel window um,
1: but the car that she drove around was green. Also.
0: Oh, okay, okay, that's good. That's good. Um, yeah, because because I mean, otherwise she was pretty much just wearing, I think,
1: gray the whole time. She was wearing gray a lot. Um, but yeah, but the car green and the uh, Judy okay. skirt was green. Yeah, yeah. Um, she wore a lot of green. Um, green is a, is a recurring color with Hitchcock. Uh, Tippy Hedren's character. And the birds wore a green suit the whole time as well, and I think oh. that so for Hitchcock, the green uh, symbolizes almost like a falling into danger kind of thing. Where the two prominent colors in this movie are green and red, and where yeah. green red is like you know danger, danger, danger. But the green is the right before that. It's like the falling mm-hmm. into it. It's almost like the portent of what's what's to come. It's it's also calling into the uh, the imbalance of the movie, the sense of vertigo, I think, is is symbolized yeah. by the green. And in Scotty's dream, it f- basically flashes from green to to red a lot.
0: Yeah, dream. yeah.
1: I was gonna say
0: that. Um, yeah, I, I I feel like I do remember that. Um, and and that and that's a very that's a very kind of tough on the eyes. Combination right. to get like that green and red f- flashing. Even
1: at the very beginning, when Scotty is testing out his vertigo on the furniture in Midge's apartment, yeah. when she brings out the stepladder, the stepladder is green as well. And he's, oh. he steps on it and then he has the vertigo fit. So, oh, oh,
0: Good looking out. Good looking out. The
1: most famous shot is the vertigo zoom effect. Yes. which uh Hitchcock basically invented for this movie yeah. or I guess his team did. He wanted an effect and they invented it for him. Yeah. And the effect is known as the dolly zoom and it's accomplished by either dollying out and zooming in or dollying in and zooming out depending on whether you want the object in the foreground to appear l- Smaller or larger in relation to the background. Yeah, how effective were those shots in conveying Scotty's acrophobia? Um, I mean, it's. I mean, the thing is, like that specific effect has,
0: like, like obviously since the film Vertigo, it's been used a lot. It's, it's like it's like part of you know it's it's just like an essential part of the filmmaker's toolbox. Mm-hmm. So I I remember like watching at least two or three different film majors at school, all, like, during film shoots, like, recreating that effect. And I was like, oh, what are you doing? It's like, oh, it's that thing he did in Vertigo, and, like, you it's know. It's just so cool, though. And, and, and yeah, is, but it's just so fucking cool. It's a little bit like that, you know, that, uh, the idiom, I guess, because I heard the trope that Seinfeld's just not funny because, right. you know, it's it's such a foundational comedy from which you forget all forget groundbreaking like it was. yeah you yeah you, yeah it's easy to forget that um that said i think it it is kind of the perfect it is kind of the perfect way to convey that lurching of the stomach cuz that's what you're i think that's what it's trying to create in yeah. the audience oh, yeah. it's trying to it's trying to it's trying to make your stomach lurch a mm-hmm. little bit, and it's, it's yeah, because because everybody kind of has that has that that vertigo reaction mm-hmm. of just like feeling yourself like hanging over the precipice. Right. So it, it's definitely an inspired an inspired piece of film craft to 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 come up with that effect and that that kind of warp to to put to put like what is essentially a full body experience mm-hmm. and then just translate it completely visually. It's like, it's, it's pretty fucking unreal.
1: Another director who uses it a lot is Sam Raimi. He usually uses it for comic effects and yeah. uh, the evil dead movies. And, um, in the quick of the dead, his, his, uh, Western, he uses it. Um, and then the other uh, shot that I remember that really prominently uses the effect is in, uh, the fellowship of the ring, the first Lord of the Rings movie. Whenever Frodo, and the hobbits, are in the middle of the road, there's the leaves all around them, and the Ring wraiths are coming, and oh, yeah. he uses yeah. the effects on Frodo to, I guess, give the feeling that the evil is coming after. Yeah, him. yeah, and like, yeah, kind of the way he
0: he he very acutely feels the sudden danger right. that they're in because of the ring.
1: Um. So yeah, super interesting stuff. So now we've, we're kind of winding down the discussion here, but uh there, this is called. Gratuitous sex and violence. This is the name of the podcast. GSV. So here are some, like a few, like questions and that that are going to be asked for every movie, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these are little mini segments. the first segment is called "Shot, shot, 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 shot,
0: shot, 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 shot."
1: Yeah. Yes. I think I nailed it. I don't think we need to do another take. No, it's fine. No, perfect. Yeah. So. This is not about drinking alcohol. This is a roundabout way to saying, like, how many killings? Well, then you know? why am I here? Like, <laughs> come on! <laughs> how many killings? So, how many deaths were in that movie, if any? Do you, all right, do you all have right. an idea? Uh, so we got, um, we got, uh, we got my dude, the the
0: police officer at the beginning. Nice. Uh, we got the real Madeline. Mm-hmm. We got fake Madeline. And we've got Midge's fucking pride, man, because,
1: oh, yo. We didn't talk about Midge. No, we didn't talk
0: about Midge's Midge. Lovely. And you know what? Screw us. Screw us that we left out Midge because Midge was 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 awesome. She was on point. She was there for Scotty, and Scotty was Barbara never there Bell for her. This was great. Yeah, she's great. She Yeah, she just, oh, it, it, it was fun. Frustrating seeing him just constantly be like, "Get out of here with your nagging," because like, man, she she had Scotty's number
1: like every fucking minute. You of know, that it's movie, interesting you know? that another Hitchcock trope is the overbearing mother, and there's not really a mother character in this movie, but there is a scene when when uh, Midge visits him in the uh, the uh, psychiatric hospital, and she says, <sighs> "Mother's here." Yeah, I I I was I I did a double take there. Mm-hmm. I
0: will admit, I was like. Say that? Yeah. Did she say that? Because I mean, it, 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 yeah, it gave me pause because it was like, okay, well, there's clearly, there's clearly a, a deep feeling for her between her and him, and so that 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 adds another, adds another layer to that. But that's that's Hitchcock mm-hmm. for you because Hitchcock's
1: always oh, always about the layers, all,
0: always doing something about those maternal layers.
1: All right, so this next segment is called Bib Tube. <laughs> And uh kill me now. <laughs> so th- this is g- this about the sex in the movie. Is there yes. any nudity or sex? Let's discuss those as- aspects. Now, there's not really any nudity or sex it, in this movie. No, not not really, but uh, but there but, is a lot of
0: sexually charged imagery. Yeah, de- there's definitely there's definitely some sexual tension going on. C- quite a bit um between him and him and Midge, again, because yeah. Midge, you know, she she lays down some pretty fantastic game. And, and then he's all like, oh, you can get engaged to me.
1: And she's like, you asshole. Right. Um, At the end in the tower, when he's pulling Judy through and the, the shot of her just like kicking her legs as he's dragging her, literally yeah. forcing her up through the orifice uh, into the tower... That was very sexual. I mean, yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, there's
0: definitely, yeah, there, well, and and especially because you just, like, you don't know really what's going through his head. Like, I remember during that final sequence of just, like, man, is he, is he just gonna fucking kill her? Like, what is, what is happening there? So, yeah, it's definitely very charged and very frenetic. Um, and what I, what I found interesting, too, was kind of, like, uh, The way Judy was kind of sizing him up a little bit in the beginning, too, about, like, how, you know, he, like, you know, she, she immediately kind of calls him out on, oh, I remind you of somebody, huh, guy, you know, talking about how guys are always trying to pick her up and stuff like that. Oh, very much so. And then, and then when they agree to go on a date, and then she kind of concedes, you know, look, I've been picked up a few times, Mm. and I was like, okay, it's interesting, like, they're... They're being, they're being a little real there. Um, So I I found that, I found that interesting, kind of that, that sort of concession of hers in a way, because I don't know, that's not necessarily, that doesn't seem like for the time period that that's even necessarily something that you, you're, you're going to be that upfront or honest about, you know, so. So that kind of leads us to
1: our next segment. Which is it's that's problematic. problematic, yeah, okay, so obviously we live in in two thousand twenty, and this movie was made in nineteen fifty eight yeah so looking back, is there anything problematic in the movie that kind of would give modern audiences pause I, I mean I mean again, I have to say the just the fact that Judy
0: is clearly in 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 like quite visible distress and then you just have this team of shopkeepers and makeup artists, all of whom are like, oh well, the man wants what the man wants and so why don't you just, you know, let him let him do his thing? And I was just like, oh god, like there's a whole there's a whole system, like there's a whole system, a whole industry just ready to subjugate you right there. Is the
1: movie is the movie criticizing male obsession? That that is the question. Right. That actually, honestly,
0: is the question. And I don't know. I don't 100% know. I think it it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't necessarily, it, it's not, it's not a, uh, uh, it's not a an infomercial for male obsession, let's say. It's not, right. you know. It doesn't paint it in not, the most it, positive yeah, it's, light. it's not, ro- <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not romanticizing. And one, it's interesting, because you might think it is, considering that, like, you know, he de- the he does have a fair share of romantic kisses including like the big swelling romantic kiss that you see between him and Judy when she is finally completely made up as Madeline right. and 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 it really is like it really is like an end of film kiss mm-hmm. like i took a beat and was like is that the end of right. the movie because right. that's like that's how many movies end, but that's again clearly Hitchcock being like, no, yeah, it's the, there's uh, more. So we're gonna we're go, we're gonna go past that. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to the truth of darker things. areas, and, yeah, and darker areas and whatnot. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think again, it, it it leverages so many kind of interesting known qualities both within the film and without the film. Again, you mentioned James Stewart's reputation, um, and that's interesting. Thinking about how I guess ironclad that reputation was prior to this film, that you know he really is this kind of because he really does inhabit this 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 off kilter disturbed man pretty
1: well. Um, James Stewart was forty nine when he made that movie, and yeah. Kim Novak was twenty six. Um, hmm. Is that age difference problematic? Uh, you know, uh, I I would
0: say. I would say it, it, it strikes me as an awful lot more problematic considering how coercive he is Mm. towards her, especially in that back third, like that just, you know, he really, he's, he, he, he really does exert an awful lot of pressure on her. And so it's, it's, and and it's it's clear that there is a there there is a pretty strong kind of power imbalance oh, and 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 she and and it's interesting cuz again like you know when she first meets him she you know she she really rebuffs him pretty explicitly and pretty mm-hmm. strongly but he kind of continues to you know talk his way into her room and um so yeah i think i think the age difference like like I think, two consenting adults at that age, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't fault them. But it's clear in this film that yeah, there, there is a pretty strong power imbalance between the two of them. So I think that's, that's probably a different thing.
1: During my binge of Hitchcock, this time around, what I've, what I've really been focusing on is his treatment of women because Hitchcock has this reputation, yeah, uh, of being. Uh, a pretty misogynist person the way that he treated like his actresses off off the set was at times pretty brutal and, and disgusting yeah um, after you told me about
0: the birds I, uh, yeah. I i read up on it a little more and yeah it's it's pretty pretty horrifying but, stuff
1: but <laughs> the interesting thing to me and i want to hear your take on it is that i feel like the women in hitchcock's films even though they go through hell and they are clearly fetishized by the director, like they're all, they all exist on this very specific scale. Like they're, they're often blondes and they're often duplicitous and they get, they really suffer through their, through all of his movies. His heroines just suffer immensely. Yeah. But I feel like the director sympathizes with them and the women do have agency even even judy i think like she was expressing she wasn't a subservient woman even though james stewart was pretty much a psychopath at the end um judy was protesting she was fighting for her life you know the the hitchcock doesn't let her go away without a fight he really does sympathize with the women characters themselves maybe not with the actresses on, on the outside of the film
0: yeah I mean I think I think it, it'll it definitely varies in degrees I think um yeah I think I think definitely the writing for his women characters does still leave an awful lot to be desired mm-hmm. I think I think that that while there is something that I really appreciated about about Kim Novak's performance and about judy's kind of toughness um there is there is there is still something a little lacking there in terms of that you know the worlds of the worlds of both women in in this film do very much revolve around james stewart's character in in a way way. and also, and, and yeah yeah definitely midge as well as uh judy um uh, I, I when I say Judy I mean Judy Madeline, but obviously Judy. Um but yeah, so so I, I think that, that that aspect of it definitely makes me think that, you know, there was a little more respect that For Hitchcock could've given both of them. Um and, and again, especially because I really I really grew to love Midge in this particular right. watch shape, um, because of just kind of how uh, because I think, at least in her case, it's like it's clear that it's clear that James Stewart's character is a known quantity to her, and and so she she kind of pursues him in this way that's very true to herself in a way. Um, whereas I think that you know Judy's character is is really just like wh- wholesale victimized in, oh, yeah. like throughout, like
1: even from, even when she's Madeline. She's victimized by the, by the love. Yeah, by Yeah,
0: by, yeah, by that plot, by that whole plot, and, and, um... And they talk, and, they talk
1: about James Stewart being the victim, but, but, but Madeline but, is really the victim. Yeah,
0: she, yeah, she is absolutely, yeah, she is absolutely kind of victimized by that. So I think, I think that, that at the end of the day, I, I don't, I don't think Judy's end of things aged particularly well, mm-hmm. um, on the whole. I, I... I I haven't seen as many Hitchcock's films as you have recently. Seeing these films recently has made me want to dive back into his work and and to see them again. Um but yeah, definitely that is something I'm noticing that um that that yeah, the 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 the, the blondes, all of the blondes. blondes yeah. So many so fucking many blondes. blondes, Jesus Christ. Um yeah, they they tend to
1: they do tend to kind of exist on a very on a very narrow scale, right. like You said. Yeah. Um, just a couple more things that caught my attention in yeah. the "that's problematic" segment here. Yeah, that's the thing. I think like <laughs> it, it, we,
0: we're probably not going to get equidistant section lengths, right? When we're talking about a film from 1958. Right. Oh yeah, no, like, no the way. The problematic section is going to be pretty inflated. But, but but I but I like but I like. Thinking about and a, too. and a lot
1: of this thing also is like how many of them are on purpose that that's why when, when we're, we're well, talking that, about like is this a criticism of of male obsession yeah you know is well, is Hitchcock because Hitchcock was is def, this is his most personal film a lot of people say yeah it like, really encapsulates his own fetish and his own tendencies a little bit yeah one and and and,
0: and and one especially because again you you have you have the, this you know one of the one of the central characters is an actress for all intents and purposes right. she she is cast and then made to oh, yeah. to to fit this role this or the director yeah and and what James Stewart kind of kind of both director and audience in a way yeah. like he's you know um, but but yeah this but, but this kind of this kind of unending lust for mm. this for this blonde bombshell being that again by the film's own admission doesn't actually exist. Right,
1: right. Um, uh, yeah. A couple of other places where I, I noticed a little bit of uh, the a problematic um, through line is when they're talking to the bookkeeper and he talks about how Carlotta's the real Carlotta husband. Um, whenever Carlotta gave him a child, he threw her away. And he has this line. He says, "A man could do that in those days," and to me, yeah, yeah, I was a little bit like, "Those days? Those days were so progressive." Now, like, but to, to me, I feel like you know, an artist doesn't put anything in their work unless there's a reason behind it. Is that is that a line? Like to me, I'm like, is that a line? Is he saying? <laughs> is he bringing attention to how bad and backwards it was in those days, or is it something where he's like, I, you know, I kind of wish that we could do that in these days? And then James Stewart essentially does kind of do that there was i mean there was kind of yeah there i i
0: I am I, glad you kind of picked up on a bit of the wistfulness of right? the, the shopkeeper. It's like oh, like yeah. He, there seemed if to only be a, we a could little throw women away these a days. little bit, yeah. which also made me wonder why he's such good friends with Midge. Apparently, right? like I guess Midge
1: is just a, just M- horrible
0: Midge. people in her life. Yeah, Midge or, or, and Judy or, should be friends, or, or maybe or maybe Midge like just I don't know. Is like oh, I'm I'm, I'm just gonna hang out and listen to misogynist <laughs> shopkeeper just spout off some shit again because. I got nothing better to do. It's not like that, that idiot Scotty's gonna, you know, give me any attention or whatever. The second
1: thing was when the judge character, he's, talk, he's talking, he's recounting oh the Oh my case. God, the judge was such a dick. He's such a dick. <laughs>
0: uh, such a, well, such a dick to
1: Scotty. Uh, sorry, sorry, what was, what was well, the point you were gonna he's say? He's a really big dick to Scotty, but he's also a dick in general um, because oh, he, the... says, he says uh, that he finds no fault to the husband in in Madeline's death. Because the husband did not go to the police or did not go to did not take her her his wife to a um, doctor, the doctor or anything. Because he just wanted to make sure of what she was suffering. Yeah, that was But the husband was totally at fault. Well yeah, that's a thing. Like, yo, like
0: yeah, the, that that definitely also didn't age well. The the um <laughs> the <laughs> that 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 clearly before a husband should take his wife to a doctor, the the most prudent thing one right. can do is have her be tailed by a reluctant former police officer.
1: Um, like yeah, that's, and then that, we, then we noticed that the jury was all composed of white males. Yeah yeah. Um, so they the, didn't even they didn't even go off to deliberate.
0: They were just like, yo, we're good with this guy, right? Yeah, you know,
1: we're good. We acquit you. So really um, the whole movie can be seen as just m- m- uh, women, two women specifically in this movie, but mostly just the Judy Madeline character um, living in a world of men and how the men in, in her life just completely control her. Yeah. That's really what... I and mean, it goes back to the theme of obsession.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and and it's like that. that I think she... Yeah, she's she's given very little afterthought. I think again, you know, Kim Novak definitely makes the most of it mm-hmm. and and really does give a fantastic performance. But but yeah, it, it's 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 kind of unfortunate. It it is kind of unfortunate that that we couldn't see more of. I don't know. Like I, you, you kind of you kind of feel like when when Judy and Scotty first meet face to face, that there's like, oh well, like she there's an interesting person there. But then he really does kind of systematically strip more and more of her away in favor of his you know Madeline fantasy and um yeah. And then you get that one scene where she's just like happy as can be right before they're about to go to dinner, and then you know right before he sees the necklace right. and figures everything out um but just for a
1: moment it, it kind of reminded me of uh uncut gems where you you know like you you get that moment of just your biggest high right before your, your Ooh, biggest. oh yeah yeah very much so very
0: much so. so uh
1: this is this is not having to do with the problematic thing just a general question here the, yeah, yeah. the nun at the end is is that are we meant to take that as hitch's confession is that what this movie mm. is
0: that's an interesting take that's an interesting take um because her, her lines at the very end of the film are, voices. yeah she says, I heard voices, she comes out from the, from the shadows, and then I guess, so, 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 so it was just that her being there
1: startled Judy to the point of... She looked like freaking death, yeah. incarnate, and, it. and yeah. then yeah, it startles Judy and she falls and, and back. And then she falls, An yeah. unfortunate accident. Yeah.
0: And then and then what is and then what does the nun say afterwards? Uh, um, I like...
1: I forget exactly what the words were, but it's just like her she crossed her chest and she basically said merciful heavens or dear Jesus or Yeah, something like yeah, something something merci Yeah, some yeah, something like, something merciful, like that. And then she God and, then she, and flash- then she starts And then she starts ringing the, the bell, bell yeah. which is known like that's a hard, you toll the bell when someone dies, you know. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. That's 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 a fascinating take. And, that, um, and the movie just ends right after that, like Scotty just looking over the edge, completely dejected, like yeah. his life completely ruined. Uh, <laughs> he's never going to leave the psychiatric well, hospital y- after yeah, that. Yeah,
0: I mean that. Well, that's the thing is that like you know he he absolutely um, deserves it. Yeah, no, he well he deserves it. But yeah, it, it is so fascinating to kind of see how he, yeah, how how he he really. No, nothing that he sees from from the moment he takes up his friend's his friend's request onward is at all what he sees and pretty much the wool is just always over his eyes for the entirety of the mm-hmm. film like everything that he experiences is is an illusion for yeah. his benefit and again it's like at first it's all being conjured for him but then he ends up making it mm-hmm. by the end of the film as well.
1: Uh, in 2012 British Film Institute's Sight and Sound magazine, the Critics Poll, picked Vertigo as the greatest film ever made and it replaced Citizen Kane, which is often cited as one of the greatest, if not the greatest film ever made. Yeah, I,
0: um, I remember when the discussion was happening of like, oh yeah, Citizen Kane is no longer the greatest film, it's now Vertigo. So, <laughs> So final
1: thoughts on Vertigo. Would you say it's a it's a good movie, a great movie? Would you even go as far to say greatest film ever made? Like, what, what do you what are you what's your takeaway from it?
0: Yeah, um, I,
1: I, I hesitate to say
0: that any film that isn't The Matrix is the greatest film ever made. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, but, uh... Kowski lover. <laughs> uh, specifically yeah. a Matrix lover. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this, this is a, this is a much longer discussion <laughs> than, we have time, than we have time <laughs> for, for this podcast rack. Another Sex and Violence. Ooh, boy, Uh, that trivia section will be an interesting one. Um... But uh, I I was definitely really struck by um, it, you know it's interesting because uh, I think the snippets of the of the Hitchcock films that I watched you watch recently when you were kind of taking on this this new festival as it were um, you know the craft was very clearly visible like you can really see just like you know, the the kind of the, the simple elegance of how he oh, yeah. frames everything. The movement and, of and, the camera is and, great. And this film really all of that craft was obviously present, but also very um, invisible at the same time. Like the whole movie really does kind of flow perfectly and um yeah I I I would I would definitely call this one a great film. I think not without not without its not without its problems, but a lot of that is just a product of of its time and of its creator in particular um but certainly um yeah, I think you you can't deny that it is one of Hitchcock's best films. I think I would probably need to see more of his movies to really make that assessment, but yeah, it definitely. It's it's definitely a, a whopper of a film. And and there's there's clearly so much going on that like my three very distant viewings of it alone would right. not be able to pick up on. There's obviously there's obviously just so much going on in just like the periphery and in every shot and in everything about how the characters are drawn. And that's a thing too, is that I think even if even if I th- even if I may find that some of his female characters have gotten short shrift as far as how they've been conceived and whatnot, like there's still just so much richness in kind of the psychological story really that the is. film is
1: telling and so and and his, yeah, and his actresses always gave him 150% they're, they're always great yeah. in his movies and, I, and, and like I was saying I think that the characters are super interesting despite being put through the ringer yeah uh, not just in this much movie so. but um but yeah, they're just very, very fascinating characters. Yeah, what are, what are your uh, what are your final thoughts? So I think that I, I, it's so subjective to say which one is the greatest movie of all time. And if I'm comparing this to Citizen Kane, I, I don't even know if this one would be better than Citizen Kane because Citizen Kane is a pretty... Perfect movie, I would say, yeah. in a lot of ways. I think I've only seen Citizen Kane maybe once or twice yeah. myself, so might uh, might need to see that, might, might to see that one. Um, but Vertigo, I think, is definitely Hitchcock's greatest achievement, arguably as a movie. It's definitely um, his most mesmerizing, his most hypnotic. Uh, he has he has movies that are a lot more fun. You know, he has North by Northwest to Catch a Thief, I think are a lot more crowd-pleasing and fun and romantic. Rear Window is a much more suspenseful, nail-biting movie. Um, Psycho is, of course, the template for modern horror, and The Birds as well, both templates for modern yeah. horror. <laughs> um, but Vertigo really uses, like you said, it uses all of his tricks to to just, like, the best at its potential. It, it, it tells... A, a weird story that's very personal to him and he uses it he uses suspense he uses his, his camera tricks and uh, all to tell a story of one man's obsession um, with a fantasy which yeah. which is Hitchcock's obsession in a way. yeah yeah um, so yeah that's that's the end of of, of our discussion uh, very much so Ned I want to I want to thank you for having this conversation with me I hope you had fun oh my god yes Let's do this again. Let's do this again. Um, So my name was Orlando, and I want to thank everyone out there for listening to Gratuitous Sex and Violence. Now, go watch some movies.
0: I hope we're going to have some Gratuitous Sex and Violence.
1: You guys always bring the very best violence.
0: No relationship. No emotions. Just. gratuitous sex.